The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. Hello and welcome to Squawkbox. Here are your headlines today. Tech stocks take charge on Wall Street. The S&P 500 and Nasdaq post their fifth straight day of gains. Microsoft hits a fresh all-time high after Sam Altman joins the company. A revolt breaks out at OpenAI with more than 90% of staff signing a letter demanding Altman's return, while Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella tells CNBC things can't go on like this. It's very, very clear that something has to change around the governance uh, and if that's sort of, you know, and we'll have a good dialogue with their board on that. U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen hails the Biden administration's fight against inflation, but says there is more to be done in a CNBC interview. We're making considerable progress in bringing inflation down, but um, Americans do notice higher prices from what they used to be accustomed to. And Nvidia shares closed also at an all-time high. That ahead of the chipmaker's results later today, with analysts forecasting revenue growth of 170%. Was it monetary policy or was it Sam Altman driving Microsoft to an all-time high yesterday? A big dangling question for markets. And don't forget, we've got a favourable environment. The market sees very tame inflation numbers coming through now. And they have expectations of no Fed move this year. And in fact, uh, rate cuts to start coming through the system from March next year at the earliest. So uh, at this point, we've already seen a very strong rally that's taken place. Microsoft has been a leader in that rally. Was an extension of that theme or was it the news that Sam Altman will now join Microsoft? But with question marks over that, as we now see a revolt play out at OpenAI from uh, other staff members that want him to return. So we did see Microsoft uh, stock on the move yesterday big driver for markets but for the other major boards at the Dow the S&P and Nasdaq further green attached and uh, the climb that we saw on the Nasdaq the highest levels since late July and a similar territory for the S&P 500 as we march north 14,284 on the Nasdaq there was a bounce of 1.1 percent if we drill down to various different parts of the tech universe Fang stocks gaining about 1.2 percent fourth positive session in five, but also across on the ARK Innovation Fund, we saw very strong gains of 2.7%. And look at the big tech majors as a result, and you can see the gains that uh, we witnessed, two odd percent to the upside for Microsoft, outpacing what you saw on the likes of Apple, up less than 1%, also driving past Netflix, 1.8% gain, in the realm, though, NVIDIA, and don't forget, is it a huge week for NVIDIA as it produces numbers later on today. It did touch an all-time high intraday before flipping a little bit lower, but you can still see paused for the session by two and a quarter percent. A look at Treasuries, and I mentioned the tame environment that's been reflected in the Treasury markets. Again, we've glided south with 4.39 on that 10-year yield this morning, and at the short end, 4.90. So the market, the bond markets are repositioning now for 
for rates to remain on hold before a cut taking place in 2024. To the Asian markets, as we take a look at the region today, modestly upbeat is the, the trade that we're witnessing from Australia, about a third of a percent in the green, across to Hong Kong, bouncing 90 points or half of a percent. The odd one out, Japanese stocks, but they have been on a tear. As you take a look at the, the recent performance, this is uh, the highest level in 90, since 1990s, what we saw unfolding on Monday. So we're giving back just a fraction of that territory. To US futures and uh, the early trade looks to be somewhat green. We are marching a little bit higher, not a huge amount of direction at this stage, but on the back of what have been very solid gains for weeks now, that is still a positive trend, Steve. Good morning, how are you? Very well, thank you. Good, good, good. Um, I, I want to come back to the markets in a few moments time, but I know that uh, everybody seems very, very excited about what's going on in, uh, in the world of OpenAI. So let's get straight to that. More than 90% of OpenAI's 770 employees have signed an open letter to the company's board threatening to follow co-founders Sam Altman and Greg Brockman to Microsoft unless all current board members resign and a new board reinstates the pair. A large number of OpenAI employees have expressed public support for the ousted co-founders on social media in recent days as negotiations over their future dragged on. OpenAI investors, some of them at least, are reportedly considering lawsuits against the company's board over fears they could lose their investments with the potential collapse of the AI startup. This according to reporting from Bloomberg and Reuters, which says no final decision on potential action has been taken. Well, in a first on CNBC interview, Microsoft's CEO, Satya Nadella, said the startup needs to make changes. I mean, I think at this point, I think it's very, very clear that something has to change around the governance or, and if that's sort of, you know, you, and we'll have a good dialogue with their board on that and, uh, and we'll, you know, walk through that as time evolves. But the most important thing for me, for customers to know is today we have all the capability and this is where I know we love to talk about, uh, you know, here's a way to th the thought experiment. Sam Altman once chose Microsoft and he chose Microsoft again. Why do you think that is? It is because of the capability of our company to be able to innovate with OpenAI. OpenAI's board reportedly reached out to the CEO of Rival Anthropic about replacing Sam Altman and merging the two companies. That's according to Reuters and The Information. Anthropic's co-founders are former OpenAI executives who broke with the firm in 2020 over disagreements about safe AI development. Arabile has more. I think we've learned much more about Sam Altman over the course of the past 24 hours. But it seems as though, Including according he's to... a vegetarian with a cattle farm. Right. <laughs> which I thought was quite interesting. And, so and, it shows the contradictions of the man. And very little scientific knowledge, I think, was also Is one of the other true? fascinating yeah. developments. Yeah. And it, we've really learned a lot, as you said. It, it's always been about characters, it seems, right? I mean, it, it's kind of what happens with a lot of these tech startups, including when you look at the likes of Elon Musk, whether it goes all the way to Steve Jobs and the like as well, we get to know the characters a whole lot more over time, uh, especially when certain situations like this uh, happen. Certainly a lot has happened over the last 24 hours as well, having followed on from the weekend, which was certainly unprecedented for a firm, for the company itself then. Uh, news still, of course, having left just yesterday that uh, Microsoft had indeed hired uh, Sam Altman as well as Greg Brockman, who was the, uh, C uh, the president rather of OpenAI, uh, both then being linked to the company. And then Satya Nadella did go on a spree of interviews then as well, really sharing his thoughts with regards to what he anticipates to happen 
for OpenAI as well as Microsoft as both of these men then lead the conversation when it comes to the AI research team then which is now going to be started up at Microsoft. Satya Nadella was however keen to note that no matter where Sam Altman does end up they still have a partnership with OpenAI and are keen for that to continue as well into the future. Their hope is, however, that they would have this internal research team uh, on AI to be able to assist and grow their AI business quite significantly, which is, of course, what they are currently doing as well with OpenAI currently. So this is exactly what uh, Satya Nadella had to say then in that first on interview, just really speaking about the governance factors, because yesterday we did continue to make note as well of how uh, Sam Altman did have other companies at play here too. I care about just making sure that we can continue to innovate. And I, as I said, I feel very, very confident. Quite frankly, Microsoft has all the capability to just do that on our own. But we chose to explicitly partner with OpenAI and we want to continue to do so. And, so, and obviously that depends on the people and of OpenAI and staying there or coming to Microsoft. So I'm open to both options. But one thing I will not do is stop innovating. And so therefore, that's kind of what I will optimize on into making sure that we keep going forward on the roadmap we have, you know, we talked about and there was so much excitement around. You mentioned governance before. It seems to me that it's likely that you come out of this situation as Microsoft with more leverage in the open AI relationship one way or another than you had Friday morning, okay? Because your relationship with Sam Altman remains close and it seems like Sam is either going back there with more control or coming to Microsoft and that gives you an amount of leverage. Am I reading that wrong? Yeah, look, John, I don't think of this as leverage. I mean, the, the reality I think is the world is recognizing how deeply partnered we were with OpenAI and SAM and all of the dependency OpenAI has on Microsoft to do our world's you know, world-class work around it, right? We do the kernel optimizations underneath, we do the infrastructure, we build tools around it, we build products around it. So I feel like, hey, look, we had a fantastic partnership on Friday and we have a fantastic partnership today. And if things change in the open AI side in terms of who is there or who is not there, as, as I said, we will have a fantastic home for the people uh, who want to continue to do the same work with the same mission at Microsoft. Overall, this is a fallout then that is bound to create a few uh, concerns perhaps around the safety of open AI and AI in general, which of course has been a key factor. Uh, a lot of the reports are citing that Sam Altman's desire and need for the entity to move forward uh, as a profitable entity and moving too fast and too quickly was also at loggerheads then with the rest of the board. Of course, that board has also been very surprising in some ways because what seemed like the person who was uh, responsible for wanting Sam Altman out or was the most vocal, Ilka Sutskova, um, also then tracked back a lot of that and was actually part of the letter that was then signed by the 90% of staff that are now saying we want yep. him back. He's rolled over, right? And this is the man with the yep. scientific expertise, so seen as quite key as we talk about the future of open AI. So if he's now with the employees, where does that leave the remaining other board members? And they are Adam and D'Angelo, who is the chief executive of Quora. Yep. We've got the technology entrepreneur, who is Tasha McCauley, 
Helen Toner from the Centre for Security and Emerging Technology. They are the remaining standouts and it does make you wonder whether, despite the complexity of the board and the governance that seems somewhat opaque here, whether that is enough to stand in the way of getting Sam Altman back. The other point I'd make is the one that John Fort just made around the links now with Microsoft. The friendship, the support that Microsoft has now thrown behind Sam Altman, behind OpenAI, where does it leave any partnerships in future? Because what we saw up to this point was OpenAI inking partnerships with a number of uh, companies. It wasn't just Microsoft. Now is there a, a gratitude or some sort of debt that's owed to Microsoft for the long haul? Um, let, me, let me go beyond Sam Altman on this. I think the bigger, and, and obviously it's, it's more salacious, it's more exciting, everyone's like, what's going on next? You know, what about these resignations? The fact of the matter is, this was set up as a not-for-profit. And the reason why this board was in place in the constituency that it was is because they are talking about safety, which you've both alluded to. It's about governance of AI more broadly going forward, not just about open AI as well. So every single one of those members you mentioned, those existing extra members, were brought on because they have AI safety backgrounds, not because they are entrepreneurs who are going to maximise the profitability for open AI and its shareholders as well. And here is this enormous contradiction which came to a head in 2019 when they changed the structure as well. Uh, and the contradiction goes right back down to Sam Altman himself, who has various other ventures, at least three other ventures that we know of, I'm sure there's more as well, where he is going to potentially profit, um, make profits, enormous profits, from his expertise as well. And this goes back down to the broader concerns that the Biden administration has, that Rishi Sunak held a, a summit most recently about as well, is, is AI going to be about global altruism and a greater product for mankind, or is it just about money for all those involved? And so despite all the claims about altruism, despite the fact that Sam Altman didn't even take a salary, he took a minimum salary, I think it was $65,000 so he can get his healthcare benefits well, the fact of the matter is that all those big shareholders we're talking about, whether it's Thrive, whether it's Sequoia, whether it's uh, Microsoft, they're not there the well-being. Let's be brutally honest about it. They're there to make money out of this as well. Maybe Sam Altman's mission changed along the way and the board is the, the board aren't the villains. These people are not villains. I know everyone's moaned about the board and said we're going to sue you. The board was put in for one reason and one reason only, to have governance and monitor the safety of AI at OpenAI. This goes back to the Elon Musk days. Don't forget he was part of uh, the company in its well, infancy. He's not been quiet about this at all. He's been very vocal around AI. At the start of the year, he was talking about going slow on AI. It was part of a group of CEOs that signed a letter saying yeah. that uh, the pace was too quick. Since then, they've all stepped away from it. You've seen AI take over as a market <laughs> force where great amounts of money has been thrown at it. And suddenly that seems to be the number one driving force, how to make money and monetize the AI story. Sachin Adeli yesterday touching on governance. Is this key? Is he talking about some sort of go slower type of approach here? Or is he talking about changing the governance of open AI so it can go faster? Yeah, That's the big question. We've got to move on, but let, let's be brutally honest about it. All the nonsense about safety and governance is shrouded in the fact that every single one of the people out there we've mentioned probably just want to make shed loads of money out of it. Let's be brutally honest yeah, about so, it. So, and the, what I was saying by him being quiet is that he's been quiet since this has yes, happened, so pretty much yeah. since Friday, right? So let's see what, what comes out of it. If he also X's or tweets, 
anytime soon as well. Well, we'll as I say, he's got his own issues. I might come to that now. <laughs> uh, you can uh, check out our full interview with the Microsoft CEO, Satya Nadella, on our subscription service, CNBC Pro. And that's the beauty of news. Who'd have thought we'd be talking? I, mean, I, I didn't see this one coming in, in, in a million years. I don't think anyone did. Anyway, as I mentioned, social media company. It's amazing how this works. X has filed a lawsuit against the liberal advocacy group Media Matters accusing it of manipulating a report that drove advertisers away from the platform. The Elon Musk-owned company alleges that Media Matters fabricated a report that showed advertisers' posts alongside neo-Nazi and white nationalist content. Companies including uh, our very own Comcast and Apple, Disney, IBM, have pulled ads, or at least pulled them, from X formerly known as Twitter, uh, after the report was published. Media Matters responded by calling the lawsuit, quote, frivolous, adding it was meant to bully X's critics into silence. Well, coming up on the show, higher for longer rates, the impact of sustained conflict in the Middle East and the risk of a second Cold War are among the key themes in The Economist's sober predictions for the year ahead. We'll go through the magazine's World Ahead report later this hour. Plus... Investors are eyeing NVIDIA earnings after shares in the company surged to a record high yesterday. I'll take you through what to expect ahead of that report. It's due later today. Please stick around as well because we'll speak to the Vion CEO, that's Khan Tezoglu, in an exclusive conversation next. Ambition to me is about doing better. I think ambition creates a pathway. The best advice I can give someone starting off a career is don't have a career, have lots of careers, try loads of different things. Talk to people and put your ambition out there. I don't feel that I've hit peak ambition because it's a learning journey. CNBC is where ambition meets opportunity. What does living ambitiously mean to you? Hear it from our CNBC anchors, reporters and global business leaders on CNBC.com. Vion's stock whipsawed in Amsterdam after the firm raised its four-year revenue and core profit targets but cut its investment forecast. This is the firm more than halved its gross debt to $4.3 billion. Let's get to Khan Tezolu, who is the CEO of Vion. Khan, when we caught up early in the year, it seemed as though things were still somewhat difficult given the war in Ukraine. Just talk us through the upgrade, upgrade to guidance now because 16 to 19% was where you're at, 18 to, 9, 18 to 20%, I should say, on South growth forecast now. Just tell us about some of the, the better dynamics you're seeing in the business. First of all, it's great to be back. And I see that you have very hot topics from artificial intelligence battles to social media scandals. But I am so happy to be back with a stellar quarter results, actually. Uh, and I'm also very happy to see that U.S. dollar growth is back on our agenda. As we have seen our revenues grow uh, almost 6% in U.S. dollars. And our EBITDA grew 17% in U.S. dollar terms. And uh, this is actually a sign that uh, through the wartime, we went through difficulties, of course, but we are definitely out of this cycle. And now we see our strategy. We set forward almost three years ago as a digital operator, moving into digital services, making our business more relevant to the customers is working. And in all the countries that we operate in, it's not only market shares we are gaining in telecom space, but it is the wallet share that we gain in adjacent markets like entertainment, financial services, education, and healthcare. And uh, frankly speaking, 
there is no single market where uh, our operations have not grown, have not captured additional market share in telecoms, and also have not developed their entertainment products being number one or number two in the market, uh, being financial services leaders in neobank uh, offers, and really being more relevant to our customers. And we are reaping the benefits of that. It does seem as though there's progress and also on the net debt side, but the problem is around CapEx, and this is something we've touched on before. How constraining is Ukraine still in your ability to invest deeply in the business? All the trends we've just mentioned around artificial intelligence, 5G, there are enormous trends coming to the tech uh, telco industry. To what extent are you hamstrung in investing for that cycle? This uh, quarter, actually, beyond announcing these uh, excellent growth numbers, we have two additional things which are very important. One, on October 9th, we completed our full exit from Russia, and that actually brought our balance sheet health in order. Uh, we have significantly deleveraged the company, and we still keep an ample amount of liquidity as well. That has really improved our uh, future-looking investment plans. Now, uh, it's also very important to see that as we get closer to our target of 70% 4G penetration in all the markets that we operated, we use the ability to moderate our investments. And in addition to raising our guidance on revenue and EBITDA, we have reduced the CapEx to revenue guidance to 16 to 18 from 18 to 20. And this actually shows a completely new profile of Vion. Vion, which is much faster growing, with higher margins, with ample liquidity, with very low um, leverage, and more importantly, uh, making the business EBITDA-wise much more higher marginality. We gained 4.4 percentage points of EBITDA margin this quarter alone. And yet, Khan, and really good to see you again, sir. And, and just to touch on all those thematics that you introduced about the AI, and then Karen and you were talking about there as well, I appreciate your shares have had a stunning rally off their lows this year. But if one looks at a longer term basis, they share other characteristics with the rest of the the telecommunications industry, which is really struggling to build up a convincing case that all the capital that is spent, whether it be on 3G, 4G, 5G, uh, AI, you name it, that actually that capital is well spent. And I noticed what you just said there, that you're retrenching on the amount of capital spend as well. How can you spend less money but grow your profitability? Look, I think, you know, our industry needs to make some important choices. It's not about the access technologies we utilize, whether 3G, 4G, 5G, or 6 or 7. It's actually, are we relevant to the customer? And are we relevant to the customer? Are we making an impact in their lives? And can we transform our businesses into an asset light business where CapEx intensity gets lower and lower as we digitalize our offers and products? And that's exactly the strategy that we are applying. We have recently uh, sold uh, a tower portfolio in Bangladesh because all these things are towards creating the future for our business. It will be all about augmented intelligence. And I'm calling the word augmented for a reason because I see nothing artificial in the technologies that we see today. We really should be providing augmentation of competencies and intelligences to the doctor that serves the customer in Kazakhstan, or to the teacher which teaches the people in Uzbekistan, or we have to make the farmers in Pakistan actually capable of doing more, having the capabilities of augmented intelligence at their fingertips. 
And this is why I'm so excited about the future and our company actually becoming a consumer business, which happens to have telecom license. And you will see, hopefully, our industry talking less about concrete and steel structures and generations of access technology and move into areas where it really makes difference to the people and being relevant to the people. And, and when you do that, we will be growing faster. And Khan, I think that's fascinating. Everything you just said there is really very important because we're all products of our own experience and we're all products of the last 20 years of various types of uh, expansion, then a concertina contraction, whether it be on, do we own towers? Do we own fiber? Do we own 5G? Do we have a global footprint? Are we t sports players? What you're saying is asset light. And I thought that was the key words there. Asset light to finally turn the profitability cycle on this sector, yeah? Absolutely. And I think that's the future of uh, telecom space and telecom companies have to convert themselves into digital operators, asset light and really providing services which matters to people to improve their daily lives. Can I ask you about Russian hacking? Uh, lots of reports that uh, telecommunications companies have been under fire over the course of the war. What are you facing? How significant is the uh, ability to try and tackle some of those cyber attacks at this stage? Uh, cyber attacks is a global problem, but frankly speaking, right after October 9, I have a, such an easy sleep in terms of being exited the Russian marketplace and in a way which was financially responsible and sustainable as well as operationally sustainable. Our uh, you know, ex-management team who will be managing the company, I'm sure they will be able to tackle these challenges as they provide vital essential services to their customers. But from now on, Russia is not on our plate. We focus on the six beautiful markets that we operate in. In the first day of the war, we made a choice. We chose Ukraine and we will continue investing in Ukraine and building its future. Khan, lovely to speak to you. Really, really always interesting. We learned something as well. So thank you so much indeed for that. Uh, Khan Tezolu, who is the uh, CEO of Vion. And thank you for joining us. New York time as well. So late, so early. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market moving news, you can head to cnbc.com or join us again on the show with me, Steve Sedgwick, and Karen Cho, weekdays on CNBC.